Welcome to the second Sunday of Advent, Year B. Console my people, console them, go up on a high mountain, shout with a joyful voice, here is your God. the good news of Jesus, Messiah, Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, look, I am sending my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. A voice of one shouting in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. There arose John, baptizing in the desert and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. And there journeyed one to him the whole Judean region and all the Jerusalemites. And they wanted to get baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed in camel hair and there was a leather belt about his loins and he was eating locusts and wild honey. And he started proclaiming, saying, The stronger one than me is coming after me, 
of whom I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I baptized you with water, while he will baptize you by the Holy Spirit. Some volunteers were fired up enough in the 70s to rebuild the Blenau-Festinjog railway in Snowdonia. If you ever go, it's well worth the trip, but it's expensive. Um, each weekend, they would blast out rock to make a tunnel through the hills or manhandle trucks of rubble to make the valley level. They did all this so that those rebuilding the steam engine and us today could ride smoothly and safely through to the destination. John the Baptist was like these volunteers. His job was to prepare the way for the Messiah by baptism and conversion. The Hebrew people knew all about Moses leading their ancestors through the Red Sea. So immersion in the waters of Jordan had great symbolism for them. The repentance was more to do with their attitude of mind and their expectations needed to change. He told the people to wake up, remember last week, and be ready because he was not himself the one, but they would recognize the one by his special baptism with the Holy Spirit. John was adamant that everyone should get ready, repent, and pass through the water and leave the past behind. The great joy and peace in Advent can come from listening to these kind of words. And it's also easy to hear them in song. Uh, in gospel, there's that great song that prepare ye the way of the Lord. And if you want a little bit more depth to it, try Messiah's. Uh, Charles Jensen took the libretto from scripture in 1741 and he presented the idea to Handel to whom it appeared, appealed immediately and believe it or not within three weeks it was written and lots of people have worked on that since and you've probably got your, your own favourite version but the music and the singing is about preparation for people to be ready for the kingdom of God and Perhaps we think more about this as we prepare for Christmas rather than for the end times, which is what this particular period of Advent is usually about. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our Lord. Isaiah wanted the way to Jerusalem to be like a new railroad, although he had no idea about steam engines or uh, Welsh mountains or, let's be true, about the person of Jesus. He wasn't speaking about any of them. However, he was talking about a saviour, bringing consolation and an eternal God who cares. And he was a, a herald of this good news. The good news that this God is a caring God and that Jerusalem would have a faithful shepherd again, that they must never doubt, but trust the word of the Lord. These are good tidings, no matter how difficult the path or how long it takes. Advent, in this sense, may also mean a radical change of attitude, but the outcome is well worth the efforts and time spent in preparation. P. 
Peter in his letter repeats that time is not important when it comes to trusting in God's promises. Every conceived broken promise leaves some, someone feeling hurt. I'm sure you've got an example you can imagine when someone was, had promised something to you it didn't actually materialise. The ones Peter is writing are a bit like the Thessalonians. They feel the promised return of Jesus is way overdue. Peter, this time, is offering consolation and asking for patience. Time is not as important as the listeners seem to think. God is eternal, above and beyond time. <clears throat> but don't you when we, we always fall into the trap sometimes of imagining another time structured place in the universe where God is and time doesn't exist it's God is eternal without confines and the end times are not for anyone to know even the apostles last week simply told to stay awake and Peter repeats the major concern is to be prepared to be the sort of person Jesus wants us to be what we ought to be as we wait, trusting in his new promise of a way in which we can approach each other with love and compassion and mercy. So when Mark uses the word Christ, it's not a surname for Jesus, but it's a title. A title that began with the great news from Isaiah. And Mark begins his great news, his gospel. At the very beginning, a brand new style has been developed in this. Up to now, it's all been word of mouth. Now Mark has got it written down. A new genre is about to emerge to start his groundbreaking account. Mark repeats the words of Isaiah with some storytelling license, I think, in order to make a dramatic entrance for John the Baptist. Now, the life of holiness that he's advocating for all those who read Mark's Gospel is a willingness to engage in some serious self-examination at the very beginning of the story. Like the Israelites who were urged by Isaiah to be prepared for the glad tidings, this time the joy is because it has happened. Christ, our Saviour, is born. Mark is about to show us who he is. And we had better be ready because, in comparison, John the Baptist himself, the greatest of all prophets, is below the level of a slave when it comes to the, the top man who will follow him next. We can perhaps understand why Mark begins with John the Baptist. His whole gospel is attempting to answer two questions Who is this Christ? And what does it require to be his disciple? So this technique is likely to build up our expectations about what sort of man is about to enter the scene that Mark is going to spend this whole gospel telling us about. The first words from Mark have already stated that his name is Jesus, that he is the Messiah, and that we're about to meet a son of God. Jesus is going to be stronger than John, more worthy than John, more relevant than John, and will bring with him the Holy Spirit. Wow, these first few lines of this gospel tell us an awful lot about 
who Mark believes Jesus is in a very clever way and style that had never been seen before. It leaves us full of anticipation. We want to turn the page and find out more about this person. Imagine you'd never heard the story and you want to find out who is this man. If we need the Holy Spirit to help us in making our paths level to meet Jesus and smooth so that we get on the right path, our right spiritual path, we need to meet Advents, meet Jesus in this Advent journey. Let's finish with the words of uh, St. John Paul II speaking on this. He tells us that Advent is a liturgical season that highlights the expectation, the hope and the preparation for the Lord's coming. Today's liturgy invites us to undertake this task by presenting the person and preaching of John the Baptist. As we heard in the Gospel text, he is the one who was sent to prepare men and women for their meeting with the promised Messiah. Make straight the way of the Lord. The Baptist invitation is meant for us all. Let's accept it. And with a joyful heart, find out more about this intriguing man that Mark has introduced us to. Let us go up to the Lord.